G'day and welcome to the Hidden White Podcast. This is episode 749. This is my interview with the founder of Halo Neuroscience, Daniel Chow. Enjoy the show. G'day ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the Hidden Why podcast. It's Lee Mundelsey here with you and thank you for tuning in guys. I hope you're enjoying your day. I hope you're having a great one. Guys, today I'm bringing you an interview that I did with Daniel Chow. He is the founder of Halo Neuroscience. So this is a, this is a really cool conversation about neuroscience, um, his journey. So he talks about a couple of companies that he was involved in. And I think there was some really cool, profound sort of learnings in that as well. But then we jump right into it. Halo Neuroscience, what is that all about? Well, it's about the neuroscience. It's about transmitting uh, stimulations or neurostimulations of the brain to help us increase our performance. He's got a product there called Halo Sport, which is just phenomenal. It's amazing how this works. So we talk about that and we talk about where it's heading as well. And perhaps a few of the other solutions that this sort of technology may be able to provide us to help us reduce medication, the reliance on medication, um, and reduce the, the, the crisis that we're having there and really just help us increase overall health and performance. There's a lot of cool things like um, you know using this to um, defeat diseases or fight diseases, um, addiction, depression, uh, many great things that could come from this, but it's really exciting. It's exciting to see where this may go and uh, it's really good uh, down to earth, I feel, conversation with Daniel Chow. Hope you enjoy it, guys. Let me know what you think. You can jump on to thehiddenwhy.com, leave your comments there. You can connect with us on Facebook as well, The Hidden Why at Facebook, and um, let me know what you think of this show. Daniel's also got a bit of a discount offer. If you're interested in Halo Sport, a great way to increase your performance quicker. So, uh, yeah, check it all out, guys. Enjoy the show. Cheers. Daniel Chow, welcome to The Hidden Why Podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Lee. Man, I'm really excited to have you here. Um, talk about neuroscience. This is way over my head most of the times, but I am curious and I want to explore it with you. But uh, Dan, give us a little bit of a background um, to, to yourself, who you are and, and the company that you founded. Yeah, I'm a medical doctor by training. Went right. to Stanford Medical School and have a master's in neuroscience also from Stanford. Uh, you know, I've been a neuroscience nerd since as long as I can remember, since the time I was a, like a small child, I was interested in the brain and studied it in college and graduate school. And how did you become interested you know, in the brain as a small child? Like that's fascinating. Uh, you know, my dad, I have to credit my dad. My dad was a aerospace engineer hmm. and he just, uh, I guess he taught me to not be afraid of really hard problems. Right. That, that, you know, with, with effort, um, with, uh, you know, careful career development and education that, um, a lot of these really hard problems can be solved within a lifetime. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, he was part of this industry and it was much bigger, um, you know, in his heyday of, of, of working yep. of, um, of aerospace and, uh, and yeah, like, you know, he was living that example. So, you know, it was, it was part my dad, it was part, um, the United States government, if you can believe that. Um, yeah. Okay. Why is that? Yeah, there was uh, George H. W. Bush. So not the more recent George Bush, but his dad mm. when he was president. Um, he called the '90s the decade of the brain, right? And he put a lot of money, uh, you know, government money into neuroscience research. Mm. And you know, there was uh, you know, it was more than just like NIH money going towards research. There was a lot of um, you know, ads on TV and this and that, that tried to reach the public. Like we should think about the brain more. Yeah. And I have to admit that had an impact on me, like, you know, over a certain number of impressions. And then, you know, you combine that with my dad, who's like, Hey, don't be afraid of hard problems. Like, Whoa, this sounds like a really hard problem. (laughs) Um, this sounds kind of interesting. Like, you know, the putting a, a human being on the moon, for the generation before, maybe really understanding the brain was the 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 problem of my generation. Yeah. So. So you were in so that yeah. era, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I was. I was really young during that time, and I have to. I I think that like you know I'm pretty sure that had a, that that made an impression on me. Hmm. And when did you begin your studies with neuroscience? What what year was that? Yeah. So that was uh, that was college. Yeah. So, um, I, uh, yeah, I got really, you know, that's when my formal studies, um, in neuroscience started and it continued 
into some work that, you know, Lee, if we have time, I'd love to tell you the story of uh, what I did immediately after college. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Um, so I was interested in neuroscience. Uh, I did not have that much lab experience though, because where I went to college, I went to UC Berkeley. Um, it's a, it's a school with a lot of students. It's a public school. It's a lot of students, not very many professors. And it was very difficult for undergrads to get, um, a spot in a lab, even an unpaid volunteer spot. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and you know, I, I got into one lab, but it just, it, it really wasn't a high functioning lab at the time. And I really didn't feel like I had an accurate perspective as to what it's like to work in a neuroscience lab. So hmm. I decided to take a couple of years off, uh, from school and work in a neuroscience lab. So across the Bay, uh, there's this, you know, highly regarded, uh, medical school, uh, called, uh, UC San Francisco. Yeah. And I got a, uh, uh, and they also have like really, really strong neuroscience program amongst other biological sciences, um, graduates, students, postdocs, um, you know, um, just, just an amazing, really high functioning community of people there. Hmm. I lucked out and got a job with, um, at the time he was 29 and he was the youngest neuroscience professor, actually was the youngest tenure track professor ever hired by the university. Yeah, right. So he was straight out of his, straight out of his MD PhD. He went to Johns Hopkins, another great school. And here he is as this young professor and I'm the first person in his lab. And I still remember my first day at work with him. Uh, he has two relatively young guys. He's 29, I'm 22. And we've got this big room with no lab equipment okay. and no, no, nobody, yeah. just me and him. Yeah. So we started ordering equipment and we started doing science uh, and you know, what we discovered, you know, I was only there for two and a half years. Uh, we made some really big breakthroughs in science. Just um, so we you? discovered, uh, yeah, well, more people came. Team? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. More people, more, more people came by the time I had left two and a half years ago, the lab was full, um, something like 15 people in the lab. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we discovered a new mechanism of pathology for this disease called muscular dystrophy. Mm -hmm. So muscular dystrophy is an X-linked disease. Uh, so only boys get it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, decades ago, it was universally fatal in the early teens, sometimes even before that. Um, but you know, we came around with the discovery where we said, like, we, we, we clearly do not understand like how muscle cells are dying here. Um, we found this entirely new pathway by which muscle cells are getting damaged and dying. Hmm. Um, and that discovery led to like two really like pretty big papers for the field. Um, they were both published in a journal called cell, which is, um, you know, at the time it was the most cited journal in the world. Right. Uh, many, many scientists would cut off an arm to get one paper <laughs> in cell in their life. And we got two papers in cell yeah. within six months um, to, you know, to kind of illustrate the, uh, the scientific impact of this discovery. And, you know, what, what we discovered has now turned into drug therapies that help these people, like, live into their 40s now. Mm. So, cool. I, yeah, well, yeah, you know, Lee, what, you know, I definitely thought it was cool. Um, and I was very young at the time. Well, that's having a major impact. Old. I mean, that, that's anything that has an impact like that in the lives of others and the quality of lives they live, I think, is, is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I couldn't help but to think about that. It's like, wow, couple couple mm. of folks working their ass off in a lab, making a discovery that will affect a population of people for generations to come. Mm. Yeah, right, remarkable. And I was just thinking, like, wow, we change people's lives. Yeah, not just the individual, but their families too. And I, I just kept thinking, like, my my the. My boss at the time, the professor, his name is David Brett, B-R-E-D as in David, T as in Tom. Yeah. Um, and we're still very, very close friends, hmm. um, you know, to this day. And I basically just wanted to be Dave. I wanted to do this as many times as I possibly could in my life. Create, I wanted to create labs and 
research? No, not well, not so much creating labs. It was the output of that, right? It was the creation of science yeah, right. that would affect populations of people yeah. for the better. Just quickly, and can you tell us what what is a what is a neuroscience lab look and sort of feel like? Oh yeah, you know, it's uh, hard so to really they describe it. Yeah, yeah. They, so um, no, it's a great question. So they could look very different depending on the discipline. So mm. neuroscience, people think of kind of monolithic, but there's actually multiple different flavors of neuroscience. So the For example, I, I assume neuroscience is the study of the brain. Yeah, it is. But you can you can study the brain biochemically. You right. can study it cellularly. You can study it through genetics. Okay. You right. can, uh, you can study it cognitively. So, you know, the lab that I worked in, there was a lot of, you know, it looked like a lab. There was a lot of like test tubes and beakers and mixers and things that cool and things that heat and fume hoods and this kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, on the other side, there's a kind of neuroscience where you stick electrodes into, um, into cells, sometimes growing in a Petri dish, sometimes in a, you know, live animal, um, you know, all within, you know, ethics approved. Yeah. 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 Uh, and reading physiology signals of living neurons um, and how they're behaving. And you could do different things to the system to study how these cells react. Um, hmm. And then, like, all the way up to, uh, you know, uh, you could do cognitive neuroscience where you'd study a lot of like uh, human behavior where you, you know, there are no test tubes virtually. Um, you know, usually just a bunch of computers um, and small rooms where you can bring in a revolving door of test subjects, you know, ask them questions, have them do different tasks, um, um, you know, maybe perturb the system with uh, a lack of sleep or, yeah, you know, so give it really them a drug d- depends on the purpose of yeah. the study changes the dynamics. Yeah. 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 So there's lots of lots of different neuro types of neuroscience labs. Hmm. So, you know, back to the, uh, you know, so, you know, with, uh, you know, with my experience with Dave, I just like, I wanted to replicate his career. I wanted to be him. And so he had this MD PhD and I said, okay, I want to, I want to get both graduate degrees. I'm going to get both degrees and I'm going to get a lab. I mean, just like Dave and I want to rinse and repeat, develop breakthrough science that helps people, populations of people in one fell swoop. So that's where I went off to Stanford to, uh, you know, to embark on this journey. And at Stanford, I learned about startups. You know, I come from a family of immigrants, and they both had, um, you know, what most people would consider regular jobs. They worked for big companies. Yeah. And they're highly technical. You know, dad was an engineer, mom was an accountant. And the idea of being your own boss and starting your own company just like we just never talked about it. It wasn't, it wasn't really an option because it's not what my parents knew. Hmm. But at Stanford, I really credit, um, you know, the school for exposing me to these other options. And I started thinking like, wow, maybe a small business, maybe a startup is a better vehicle than a lab for me to accomplish my goals. Like, you know, I was always very practically minded when it came to my research and, you know, a company is even more practically minded. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I always kind of thought to myself, like, you know, company research and science is often criticized for being less ethical, less rigorous. But I I also thought that those were two things that were in my control, Hmm. that if I made a commitment, if I made a commitment to doing rigorous ethical research, it's not like uh, universities had a some, some kind of patent and only that type of research could be done at a university. That's not true at all. Um, you know, if you're committed to rigorous ethical research, you could do it at a company. You just have to commit to it. So, you know, I made that commitment to myself and, you know, from there I, uh, I've been a part of two companies now and both of them are neurostimulation companies. So they, you know, it's this concept of using electricity to interface with the brain. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, to treat disease or, um, in the case of my current company to, um, help otherwise healthy people get more out of their brain. Okay. So what was the, is the other company still around? Cause I know there's halo neuroscience. Yeah. The other, the other company is a company called neuropace. Yeah. So 
this is a medical technology for people with epilepsy. Uh, mm-hmm. Epilepsy is a disease of seizures. Yeah. So, uh, uh, it, you know, in concept, the device that we developed is it's like a pacemaker, but for your brain. Hmm. Um, so it's this uh, electrodes go into the brain. So, yes, it's, this is a surgical product. It is a surgical and, product. Wow. Yeah, it's a surgical product. And uh, these electrodes are uh, connected to a pulse generator. Um, it's like a little mini computer that's implanted in the skull. Yeah. Jeez. And yeah, so this system, um, once it's all connected, uh, has everything it needs and the battery life to run for five years. Wow. And yeah, so what it does is it listens to the brain's electrical activity 24-7. Yep. And if it detects an electrical signal suggestive of a seizure about to happen, it proactively delivers a small electrical impulse to the brain mm-hmm. to normalize the brain's activity. Right. So, um, so it's the... Yeah, so the you know the, the idea is you know let's put out the forest fire when it's still a match. So how so this, how do you? I mean, I guess through the research you discover those sort of signals that that sort of indicate um, and a, a a fit that might be coming on or electrical signal that represents that. How does this device? I assume it's implanted inside the skull, is it? Or yeah, it is. How does it? It's listen? all. It's, Ah, uh, yeah. So it has it has sensing capabilities built into the electrode that right. delivers it to you know this pulse generator, which is like a like I said, it's like a it's like an onboard computer. So it has everything it needs, all the algorithms and detectors it needs to decipher this electrical signal and make some kind of judgment. Okay, right? Like you know, make make the call if this electrical signal um, is suspicious of a seizure. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, and if it passes that that filter, then it releases, you know, the instructions to deliver uh, the electrical impulse to the brain. That's cool. How many years of research does that take to not only discover, I suppose, but also test it so it can be, um, you know, brought yeah. out there to the public? Because that's obviously a big concern, putting something in someone's brain and, um, you know, yeah. electrical signals getting pulsed around. Yeah, Lee, it was a very significant project. Yeah. So it was 10 years in the making. Yeah. Wow. We had we raised 250 million US dollars yeah. before we generated one penny in sales. Hmm. So you can imagine like the level of patience that's required as an investor to deploy that much capital. Yeah. Before seeing a return. Um, and you could also imagine you know, the patience of the people at the company. So, you know, for most of that time, we had around 55 employees. Hmm. Um, and, you know, we're just patiently working on this therapy, um, you know, little by little every day, getting results, making progress on the engineering, making progress clinically, making progress with the regulatory agency. So, hmm. you know, in the United States, it's called the FDA. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure uh, Australia has an uh, has an equivalent. Uh, so that's a lot of patience. I mean, how do you how do you remain patience in that profession? Because I'm a very impatient person, and perhaps there's some insights that you can share with us that you know allows you oh, to remain yeah. patient through that process. And everyone else in the team, I assume, you know, and the investors, everyone involved, um, you know, to have this really happen and to to keep persistently going forward. Yeah, what what are the methods there that that you use or have developed? Yeah, and I'll I'll also mention that during that window of time in the decade, um, you cannot imagine the amount of wealth that has been generated in the San Francisco Bay Area. Hmm. You know, like companies like Google and Facebook got big during this time. So you know, the te- the temptation to leave was extremely high. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, because yeah. there's champagne bottle, there's champagne corks flying all around you from people celebrating. You know that they just became millionaires or even, even more than that. Um, and you know, we're quietly squirreled away, um, you know, trying to help people with epilepsy. So that's not even a name of patience. It's really about patience, perseverance, and, and really staying focused on the, on the, on the project and the belief, I suppose. Yeah. It's the belief, um, you know, for any project like this, part of your compensation has to be the good feeling that you will do something good for the world. Yeah. 
right? Like if that's not part of it, if that is not part of like your salary, then it's not worth it. Um, and I, I'll have to say like in the San Francisco Bay area where it's, um, it's infamous for companies fighting with each other, stealing each other's employees, um, and high turnover. Like if you stayed at one company for two years, I mean, that's kind of an eternity in, in San Francisco. Yeah. We had such little turnover at NeuroPace. So how do you, how do you maintain that? How do you maintain the morale of the team? Uh, you know, the, the morale of the team, I don't think we ever had to really maintain. I mean, there was, there was such a belief and conviction that we were going to do this thing, um, that, you know, we have to see ourselves as a Mavericks and we have to, you know, uh, like keep your eye on the prize. So how do you develop you know, that belief then? Like how do you, how do you put out that vision and, and, and you know, really share that belief because it takes a, a heck of a lot of leadership. Is that yourself or is that, is that other people that are sort of leading this as well? Yeah. So I, you know, I was not the CEO of that company. My boss was the CEO, yeah. um, Frank Fisher. Yeah. And yeah, he did an amazing job. He did an amazing job. Um, our chief medical officer, um, this woman, incredible woman named Marty Morrell, um, did an amazing job. Uh, you know, and there were, uh, people throughout the company that were all sort of ambassadors Hmm. and torchbearers of this, of this belief that we're onto something big. We're going to help a ton of people. You know, along the way, um, you know, the, you know, the financial rewards will come, and you know that's always nice. But, that's but sort of you know, second priority to it all. Exactly, exactly. So if they, they really about communicate the that on a regular basis, that belief, and really sharing that vision, and you know, really having other people then go, okay, that's that's a great goal. That's a really rewarding goal. It's it's interesting that you ask that. And the answer is it wasn't communicated that frequently. Hmm. It, uh, it, it was communicated maybe a few times a year, a handful of times a year, it, like every couple of months, maybe. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? Is, uh, now that like, th- th- you asking that is maybe take a step back and, and realize like, how special that organization was. Well, if your turnover it, compared to every other company in the area was, was really low – and that's a positive sign that there was obviously something because I get the belief, you know, you can hold on to a belief and um, really run with it. But if there's, you know, two years of, oh, it's really not happening or we haven't had that breakthrough or, you know, whatever. Um, yes, I'm, I'm really excited about helping people. Um, but geez, you know, there's there's external factors to consider here. Your family, you know, people want money as well. People want to be drinking the champagne. Uh, easy to jump ship. Like there's got to be something there that's holding them on there. And, and encouraging that belief and, and helping them remain positive and focused more than just, you know, a couple of times a year talking it about the dream. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the, maybe it was selection bias, maybe, maybe, um, hiring managers were just really good at finding people that could be passionate about a product project like this. Recruited well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 But, you know, like Leo was just, um, you know, like now that we're talking about it, it was incredible, like how little it was talked about. It mm. was just a suit, I think. That's well, great. I mean, if you could tap into that and figure out what, because that's a big thing for a lot of companies is really creating that vision and then having the people within take ownership and belief of it, because that's, that's the power of, of companies, modern companies, you know, and to hold sure. on to a belief I'm- that big that you're going to help. You know, I don't know how many thousands of people that your the company's helped, but um, I assume it's a large amount. I mean, that's pretty significant to have that attachment to that impact. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I th- I feel like you know at Halo, there's um you know we're, we're like we'll we'll talk about Halo in a second, but um you know we're th- there's a lot we can do with the technology that has a social component to it um, that we could really advance humanity and society, Hmm. um, you know, with the work that we're doing. And, you know, I, I am definitely more deliberate at Halo in reminding people, um, that, uh, you know, that, that we need to be mission driven, like that there's a greater goal. There's a greater purpose for us. Yeah. And, you know, 
when this all works out, um, you know, we will, we will, you know, our, our, our children will be proud of us. Yeah. Right. They yeah. will, they will, they will tell their friends about their parents and be proud to tell that story. And be a great legacy and that we'll live. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, that's, so that, that, I guess, you know, that's Neuropace. It's, um, you know, it was an incredible experience, but I, I'll have to say it was a very, very difficult project. Um, so what, what are the about results now in the field with this product being out there? Like, it's great. Yeah. It's great. It is, um, yeah, the levels of efficacy that the company has been able to achieve with that device has eclipsed any kind of efficacy results that a drug has been, been able to produce. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we're, uh, yeah, just like incredibly thankful for, you know, that experience and the hard work of everybody. Um, mm. And, cool. and staying together and, and getting that to the finish line. So talk to us about um, Halo Neuroscience and, and, you know, the company and what it's all about and why you founded Halo Neuroscience. Yeah, so there's, uh, there was, uh, you know, I was, it, w- it was an amazing, heartening experience at Neuropace, but there was a piece of me that was still frustrated yeah. in that, um, you know, we were building a, a, a great business and helping a lot of people, but if you take a step back, these are still relatively niche populations. Yeah. So it was only like very severely ill people, um, that would assume the risk of the surgery to benefit from the technology. Yeah. And it wasn't just the neuro pace neurostimulator. It was other people's neurostimulators as well. So there's this neurostimulator for Parkinson's disease and it was the same thing there. Like only very severely ill people with Parkinson's would go through the surgery. And is it quite risky for the surgery? The surgery is actually not that risky. I think it's, it's, you know, there's a risk of infection, but you know, there's a risk of infection for any surgery. Anytime you cut skin, it's about 5%. Yeah. Uh, uh, but and infection for the most part is solvable. Antibiotics do a pretty good job. And, um, you know, ultimately the, the surgery is fairly safe. It's, you know, I think it's just a human perception of neurosurgery. Like people mm. don't want electrodes in their brain. Yeah, I mean, it sounds pretty that, hard, cool. Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> and I guess as a technologist, you might think that if you build it well enough, that people will come. Yeah, absolutely. What does and, this look like? Like when you're talking about um, probes into the brain, like are they? Yeah, what do they look like? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's it's. Um, they're. Uh, they're very thin. Yeah. Like a needle? Are we talking needle thin or thinner? Oh, not needle thin. It's maybe uh, like a millimeter or two um, okay. in diameter. Right. And, and that's, uh, that's inserted in the brain. Um, and, uh, you know, when, when everything's left in place, it's like a very flexible fluid electrode that kind of moves with the brain. Hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's fine, right? It's like, yeah, no, it's just, it's just sounds full on. But, and again, I mean, you but, know, if we've got to break down these barriers, it's good to talk about it so people understand. Yeah. And, and you're right. It is full on. I mean, we're talking about like, you know, this, you know, the brain, the brain is who we are. Yeah. It's like no other organ. It's special, right? Like you, you could put electrodes in your heart. Nobody thinks twice about that. <laughs> you know, there's pacemakers yeah. and defibrillators. I mean, people even get heart transplants. It's no big deal. Yeah you know, you're still the same person, but you know, with electrodes in the brain, it's, a, it, it's a different kind of organ. We think about it differently. It's new, isn't and it? at the end of the day, it's like, you know, for a lot of people, it's not for them. And I guess, you know, like all of this boils down to the question that you asked is, you know, why did I leave Neuropace and found Halo? And, you know, it's all about, um, like, you know, th- there, there has to be broader access to neurostimulation. Hmm. Like stimulation is, is here to stay. And it offers something that drugs can offer. It offers like a level of spatial and temporal specificity that you could never offer with a drug. It's virtually side effect free and it works. How does, so how does it work? How does neurostimulation work? So, uh, and you know, with, uh, uh, you know, with 
like the only way that you could have you can you can bring this to a broader population hmm. is to build it in a package that is not invasive right so it's a non-surgical product yeah yeah so you know my co-founder and i we we you know, as scientists, we scour the literature and, you know, we're looking for evidence if there's a technology that exists that could fit this spec. And it turns out that there is. It's called transcranial direct current stimulation, TDCS for short. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it involves putting electrodes on the scalp. Okay. So not in the brain, but, you know, you know, like easily accessible on the scalp. Yeah. Um, and now, now to get to your question, Lee, uh, like what is this technology and how does it work? Um, so you apply a direct current to the scalp that creates an electric field that is strong enough to get through the skull yeah. while gently interacting with the cortex. So just the superficial layers of the cortex is all we can touch with this electric field. It's, it's very gentle. Yeah. Um, and so put the electrode on the scalp over the part of the brain that you want to treat. So in the case of our first product, um, we target this special part of the brain called the motor cortex. So that is Halo so, Sport, the product? Yes, correct. Yeah. Yeah, so Halo Sport uh, targets the motor cortex. Mm-hmm. It's uh, the special part of the brain that controls movement in our body. All right. And uh, when you turn on the stimulator for 20 minutes – it induces a temporary state of hyperlearning in the part of the brain that you're treating. So in the case of Halo Sport, it's motor cortex. Motor cortex. Do you feel that? Like when you turn it on, do you feel the... Yeah, you feel a tingling sensation. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, mild. Um, and you can, just, you can adjust the amplitude so that it's comfortable. How would you describe uh, yeah, that tingling sensation? Like pins and needles sort of or less? Uh, yeah, that like little like mild pins and needles. Some people call it like a sensation of warmth. Okay. Some people call it like a, a little bit itchy. Mm-hmm. But you know, for the most part, people feel it uh, in the first few minutes, and then it just kind of fades into the background after yeah. that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, so yeah, like but the use case for Halo Sport is okay. Let's let's target the neurostimulation to the motor cortex. Uh, this twenty minutes of neurostimulation induces a 60-minute window where the motor cortex can learn at an accelerated rate, so-called hyperlearning, or neuroscientists call it hyperplasticity. So you're putting electric charge into the motor cortex that is, what, just charging it up, and that helps helps the hyperlearning? Is that sort of how you describe uh, it? Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a, uh, yeah, like, let, let me take a stab at it, Lee. Um, it, it's, yeah, we are making the the cortex, in, mm-hmm. in this case the motor cortex, slightly more excitable. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what that does is it 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 basically creates this fertile ground for plasticity. Mm-hmm. So what we would want uh, want our athlete or want our users to do is to wear the headset and stimulate the motor cortex for twenty minutes before they practice. Okay. So. If you're an athlete, basketball player, you know, practice shooting, dribbling. If you're, um, uh, you know, baseball player, practice throwing, practice swinging. Same thing with golf, practice swinging. Um, yeah. If you're a violinist, practice Beethoven or whatever you're practicing. Um, we do a lot of work with the military. Um, so there's a lot of advanced movement skills that they need to learn. So do that. Yeah. Wear the neurostimulator before you do that kind of practice. We sell do medical universities to train surgeons faster. Um, so, you know, this, like, I guess, you know, very broad applications, but the common denominator is that all of these people practice movement. You know, they repeat certain movements, basically begging their brain to remember it. And that and they do it their over, and over and over. Well, it enhances their learning, learning. which then enhances their per- performance. Right. Yeah. 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 That's pretty cool. Is that as effective as something that might probe into the brain? That, well, it's different. Um, yeah. You know, with with things that uh, go into the brain, you have such privileged access to the brain that you can basically overwhelm the system and just dictate to the system what you want it to do. Hmm. So, uh, you know, in the case of 
in the case of uh, my last company, you know, we would be basically just tell a small part of the brain just to quiet down. Right? We would stimulate in a way that would just basically quiet down a population of neurons so that it, it wouldn't propagate a seizure. Hmm. Um, you know, in the case of Parkinson's disease, there are certain parts of the brain that are failing, and it's almost like a prosthetic. Like the, electri- the electrical stimulation there is basically a replacement for a part of the brain that is very diseased now. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so it, it's, yeah, it's a, yeah, it, it's, it's similar in that it's, you know, we're both using electricity, but the mechanism of action is different. Yeah. So what have been, I mean, it just sounds crazily phenomenal. What have been the success stories, um, obviously, with this product out there? And you've got a, a number two now, I believe. You've got another product that is even better. Yeah, so we uh, we recently released Halo Sport 2. So it's our second-generation product. Um, there's, you know, if, if any of your listeners are Halo Sport 1 customers, they will appreciate some of the product, uh, product improvements. It's like better electro design, better... Um, like foam chemistry in the electrodes so that um, it soaks water better. Uh, so we need the electrodes to be wet so that we can do our thing. And the first generation product, the the foam, I mean, I'm getting into the weeds here, but the foam yeah, just yeah. didn't yeah. absorb like it should. And Better um, enhancements than the product one. So. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, we didn't... We, couldn't realize this, but you know, the, you know, for your listeners that aren't on our website, um, the headset looks like a set of headphones. Hmm. And they do play music. Yeah, and we just learned from our customers is that you know a lot of these people were using our headset as their everyday headphone, audio yeah. headphones. Yeah, and so we said, okay, well, let's upgrade the sound. So we upgraded the sound, and we're very deliberate with acoustic engineering, and it's, um, yeah, it's a wonderful set of headphones now. Yeah. So it's a pretty cool product and quite affordable too, yeah? Thanks for saying that. Most people complain about the price. Is that but, right? How, uh, how much is it? Like, I, I'm pretty sure I saw the price. And it seems, <laughs> for the product and, and what it can actually do, it seems quite affordable. Thank you. Uh, so the first product was 750 US. Yeah. Uh, the current product is 400 US. So better product, cheaper price. You know, we're just growing up as a company. I mean, that's you would pay for a, a good set of headphones generally, like a pair of Boss, something like that. You know, three, four hundred. We could charge you. We could charge you more. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sort of saying like it, <laughs> it sounds pretty affordable for for what it can do. And and again, going back to that question, the results that have come through from this so far, the feedback from people, because I think if you're an athlete, if you're a musician, if you're doing anything that requires, um, uh, you know, movement and you want to learn it quicker so you can perform better quicker. Um, that's a great thing. And, and there's so many occupations that you can think of that that would be um, applicable for. I mean, you even look at a, a bricklayer. They could probably use this, yeah, because it's, it's about doing the same thing over and over again. If you could fasten that pace and become the best bricklayer around, you know, that's going to take you places. So I'm sure it's, it's very adaptable to those things. But what do the results look like? So the results show that we can increase the rate of learning by about 50%. 50%. Yeah. So the, so the rate at time. which someone... Correct. Essentially. Correct. Can you use this product for just learning? So not nothing to do with the motor cortex, I guess, but just to enhance your learning. So if I'm studying or reading a book and want to just um, enhance my memory and learning ability of that particular topic... Can be applied to you're, that. Uh, no, that's a great question. And you're right that the current product can't get at that. It can only get at movement learning. But yeah. um, so, but you're okay. Let's let's have some fun. Um, so the the electrode doesn't necessarily need to go over the motor cortex. We could put this electrode somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and you know we could target different brain regions that. Um, could produce different effects. So, you know, what you're talking about is like, what if we could help uh, attention and focus, for example, and, you know, attention and focus, if we had more of that, beautiful things happen. 
Well, that's that's the thing that people want so much of. I mean, they talk about these um, you know drugs that people are taking, even you know, psilocybin, I believe, in small doses that helps people focus their attentions by quieting other areas of the brain, so they can really just enhance their awareness and focus. Um, and I don't know all the science behind that. Maybe you can explain further. But um, I mean, that'd be a great sort of thing to have. Yeah, yeah. So you know, we're we are definitely not stopping with just the motor cortex. So you can expect from the company different form factors to target the electrode to different brain targets um, that will be entirely new use cases for our customers. So, you know, let's say, for example, you have always been interested in learning Chinese. Yeah. Like, what if we targeted the language center of your brain and then you practice Chinese? Where's the language right? center? Like, yeah, it's kind of like near your ear, sort of on the side of your head. Right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or uh, is it called the language yeah. center, or is it called the communication center, or what? Uh, it's eponymously named. So there's Broca's area and Wernicke's area. Those are two of the um, More you know, two of the areas. Right. Well, they're named after people. Okay. Famous, famous scientists from eons ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that'd be a problem. So, yeah, there's become very popular, wouldn't it? <laughs> Learning language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's, you know, there's all kinds of, um, there's all kinds of learning and like neural optimization that we can do with neurostimulation. Um, I think it's a really exciting future for us mm. that we're living in this era that, um, you know, our generation will be able to benefit from this technology. Yeah, and we'll be able to learn faster and. You know, we haven't even talked about the disease side. Yeah. Um, you know, we're talking about enhancing otherwise healthy people, but you know, this th this technology has been studied in disease models. Um, like, for example, Halo Sport is currently in clinical trials, uh, looking at if we can enhance physical therapy for people who have had a stroke. Yeah. Wow. Well. So, you know, for the you know the same reasons, we could help. Or rehab, yeah, if you had an injury or something. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm. You know, it's movement-based repetition that is the medicine. Yeah. Can we add to that medicine of movement uh, to accelerate the result? Um, and, you know, the early data shows that we can. So, you know, we're really looking forward to bringing, you know, Halo Sport and the other products that we come out with uh, uh, to people who really need it, you know, into the medical market. Mm. Interesting. There's so many, um, yeah, areas that I, I could just, I'm just thinking of that where it could potentially be applied to. And, and one I'm thinking of is, you know, pain. I mean, because it's all, all related to the brain and what's going on there, the pain that we feel, isn't it? So, I mean, could we develop something that could numb the pain so we could do more or, or yeah. you know, recover no, with, with less suffering? So there's perhaps the biggest neurostimulation franchise and this is back to implantable products. Yeah, yeah. Are electrodes that go into the spinal cord mm -hmm. for people who have chronic pain. Like that's probably the single biggest. No, that is not probably. That is the single biggest neurostimulation market on the planet at the moment. Really? It, yeah, it really begs the question is if we need it implanted. And uh, the spinal cord is very difficult to stimulate non-invasively with a wearable. But... You know, there's there's a growing body of literature that shows that with neurostimulation of the brain, so you know, conceivably with the wearable kind of like Halo Sport, that you can um, you can decrease the amount of pain felt in people with chronic pain. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's like really important to realize that you know, pain is a perception. Yeah. Right. Pain is what you feel. Like it, it's often inappropriate. Like often you know, what is going on in your body doesn't deserve that much attention. Hmm. So it's maladaptive. Yeah. So it's really about like retuning these circuits and, you know, like what you said, like quieting a certain part of your brain, that's just overactive. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it is like, I think it's really ripe for innovation and, you know, in the United States, I'm not sure if this is the case in, in Australia, but we have a public health crisis on our hands of people being addicted to these pain medications. Hmm. Um, you know, entire small cities are like being wiped out with, uh, you know, 
you know, people addicted to these pain medications, these opioids, these really powerful painkillers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, these people often, more often than not, just innocently had a, like a surgery or something and were prescribed these medications. And, you know, like, you know, they just happen to be so addictive and so powerful. And, you know, we're all human and have various levels of susceptibility to addiction. Um, the, you know, the next thing you know, they're addicted and drug seeking and, um, you know, in really big trouble. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, if we can provide a drug alternative for pain control, like that, that That's would massive. be amazing. Hmm. Yeah. What, I mean, I, I think there's some, some level of issue there that, you know, I mean, we feel pain potentially for a reason, um, to, to highlight something that's, that's not quite right or, or an imbalance in the body. And if we're numbing it, then perhaps we reduce our attention and therefore don't, you know, allow the recovery of, of that particular imbalance. Yeah, I agree with you, Lee. Not, not all pain is inappropriate pain. Like, um, you know, if you, uh, you know, if you cut your finger, you know, you want it to, you want to feel pain because yeah. it deserves attention. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but even but, with some uh, of the chronic you know, illnesses and the pain that people take medication for, a lot of that is, is related to, you know, poor health practices, I assume. And by, you know, taking medication or anything else that might help, you know, reduce that pain isn't a solution for the longer term problems. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's, that's always the case, right? Like mm. you should, we should try to not put a bandaid on problems. We should try to address the source of the problem. So yeah, that, that, that is definitely true. And, be you know, hopefully goes without saying what, um, yeah. what, what could be the possibilities or what is currently happening in regards to using this, you know, technology to, um, help reverse sort of addiction or, or depression or, or things like that, you know, that might actually help people, um, in the recovery process to prevent themselves from going further downhill. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. There's some really excellent data looking at um, several of those things that you just rattled off. So I'll start with depression. So there's been some really wonderful work uh, that's been done in this disease state. Um, so the electrode goes over this part of the brain that is sort of at the top of your forehead. It's mm -hmm. called the prefrontal cortex. Yeah. And they found that if you stimulated this part of the brain, that you could achieve the same level of efficacy as the SSRI family of drugs. So the SSRI family of drugs include Prozac, Zoloft, Paxil. These are American trade names. I'm, I'm not sure if this is translating yeah, um, yeah. well, but there's, you know, these are household name drugs in the United States. Um, you know, these are like the the preeminent drugs um, in, in the treatment of depression. Hmm. Um, so many people are on these drugs in the United States that you might as well put it in the drinking water. Um, uh, so like uh, neurostimulation with, uh, you know, virtually no side effects could produce an equal amount of efficacy for people with depression hmm. as this drug. And then also interestingly, they found that if you combine the two, that they are, um, that they are cooperative, that you, that they provide even like an extra layer of efficacy. So hmm. if someone is taking a drug and they are not getting the full benefit, um, that they need for proper coverage, instead of layering on more of that drug or a second drug, yeah. you could layer on the neurostimulator, um, and hopefully, uh, you know, achieve the level of relief that is, um, that, that, that's appropriate. So, uh, really exciting, re really exciting work, um, done by, uh, you know, like a, a couple of leading scientific groups around the world. Um, it's you know, in, stuff. in addiction. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And in addiction, there's also some really interesting data. So actually stimulating the same part of the brain that I just mentioned for depression. Um, you know, this part of the brain has been looked at for nicotine craving, alcohol craving, yeah, food food craving and people who are obese, mm -hmm. um, and they were able to find that you could reduce the craving if you stimulate this part of the brain. Yeah, wow. Yeah, um, so real, really interesting, real, really interesting, uh, like uh, uh, you know, potential medical applications for this technology. Mm. 
Yeah, well, I, um, I'm excited to see where it's going to go, and um, I mean, you're part of it, so uh, let's let's keep an eye out on, on your your brand there, Halo Neuroscience, and, and the new products that you'll bring out as well. And I think um, your associate there was offering a, a deal for our listeners today, um, which I might stick in the show notes there, Daniel. Uh, I can't remember if you remember what that was. Uh, yeah, I believe it was an additional $20 off. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, so right now we're, um, it's, it's already a hundred dollars off because we're in this pre-sale period. Pre-sale. So, yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're going to give an additional discount on top of that for your listeners. It's pretty phenomenal. I'll stick the link in the show notes there, guys. Uh, Daniel, I know we've come, we've sort of, um, taken up a fair bit of your time today, but I've got some quick round questions that I ask most guests. Have you got time for those? Yeah, Sure. Um, the first one I want to ask you is, do you have any rituals or routines that you believe contribute to your success? Uh, yeah, I, um, you know, I have, uh, I, I have a routine that ritualizes the first half of my day. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, there's, um, you know, I believe rituals relieve me of decision-making Hmm. And I believe that decision-making is your ability to make quality decisions, which requires a lot of different cognitive facilities, yeah. is, um, is a limiting resource. Hmm. And you should budget that very carefully. So uh, less trivial decisions that I need to make, the better. Um, yeah. So I eat the same thing for breakfast every morning. Yeah. Um, I have the exact – you can – you can talk to my assistant. It's the exact same lunch every single day. I, and, and I say, spend zero time thinking about it. Um, you know, like th- these kind of rituals just allow me to, um, to think about other things that are more important. Yeah. I like that. Uh, uh, the, the ritual of sleep is important. So like a commitment to sleep, hmm. uh, and to budget time for it and to be disciplined about it. Uh, to try to, and I know life happens, but to do everything you can to go to bed at the same time. So what does your sleep patterns look like? Uh, yeah, so it's generally 10 to 6. Yeah, okay. It must be hard to um, shut down, I assume, <laughs> with all that's going on. Uh, yeah, so there's discipline around that too. So, you know, at some point work stops. Yeah. Right, and screen stops. These are all really neural activating yeah. Um, reading a book is much better cause there's, there's no notifications. There's no temptation to check email. There's, um, uh, you know, there's, there, there's no, there's no light going into your eyes. It's, it's, um, you know, it's just a page hmm. Hmm. piece of paper. So um, 10 to so six, what does your shutdown routine look like? Like how many hours before 10 do you sort of go into a closing routine for the day? One hour, generally. One hour? Okay. So you'll turn off yeah, about and one just hour. grab a book and read or something like that? Yeah. You know, Lee, it could be as short as 15 minutes. I mean, I, I can, I'm pretty run down by the end of the day and I really like hunger to sleep. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, if it's an hour, that's awesome where you can catch up on some reading and it's, you know, it's really enjoyable for me. And it, it also just, it starts that process. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sleep in a don't do anything in bed except for sleep. Yep. Uh, so just, these are just sleep hygiene techniques. This is, this is, this is not my novel thinking. This is just, um, you know, this has been around forever. And I think we talk about sleep, but nobody does anything about it. Um, and it's so important that we do. Hmm. Um, and it's so simple too. It just takes discipline. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it certainly, you can see that the, the benefits, you know, when you do get that discipline into your sleeping routine, uh, and a lot of great um, research sure. being done around there as well. What, um, For sure. what, what do you define as success? Ah, man, for me, success is helping people as yeah. many people as I possibly can. Okay. And what advice would you give your 20 year old self? Advice to my 20 year old self. Oh boy. You know, I would tell my 20 year old self to be less angry that, um, things that happen 
are as bad as they may seem in time, you will realize that it's way less impactful in the journey of life than you think of it in the moment. Yeah. 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 So that's a good I mean, way just to kind of that calm your anger in those moments. You don't seem like an angry person yeah. talking to you. <laughs> I, I've, I'm older. I'm older these days. I've learned the hard way. A little practice, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. For sure. What what productivity hack or what, what tool or tip do you have mm. to increase your, your overall effectiveness other than your routines and things you talked about? Obviously, that's a great one. So uh, my uh, my employees will tell – my, my employees will be the first to say this, that I'm, um, I am a huge fan of keyboard shortcuts. Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> um, and I will, I will go around and if I see someone using the trackpad or the mouse to go do a pull down menu, when there's a keyboard shortcut, I'll just tap them on the shoulder and say, Hey, you could have used, you know, Apple shift option four to do a screenshot, which actually you can um, yeah, uh, cool. I love those little hacks. Uh, I don't know enough of them. Yeah. Or, or why are you clicking send? You could have hit tab return. Yeah. To, to like, like these little productivity hacks, like it's, um, you know, these are little, little tools that you could use just to shortcut everything. And it's amazing what happens if like these little, these, if you remove these little points of friction, um, how much more productive, but also how much more creatively you'll work and how often, how much more often you'll you'll use these tools if they're easier to use. Mm. So, um, I, I'm just a, I'm a huge fan of not, uh, touching the key, like, uh, the trackpad or the mouse. Yeah. Yeah. I like that one. Tab return. I'll use that. Um, uh, yeah. On Gmail tab return. Yeah. That sense. <laughs> sweet. Um, love them. What uh, just on that? Do you use the Halo Sport yourself in, in a working environment? Uh, in a recreational environment, I do. You do? I use it. Uh, yeah, I'm a cyclist. Okay. And uh, yeah, I use it for cycling. Right. So how does that work? You, you you sort of put it on 20 minutes before you go for your ride, or do you actually wear it throughout your ride and just have it play at the start and then turn it off and just listen to music? Yeah, so there it's generally indoor training right. um, because it's, yeah, it's dangerous to ride outside without a helmet. Um, so you know, this time of year uh, where it's you know winter in the United States, uh, where you know in hmm. San Francisco we actually get a decent amount of rain, um, especially this winter. Yeah, uh, there's a decent amount of indoor training that you can do, and that pairs really nicely with the neurostimulator. Yeah, cool. I like it. What would you? request as your final meal so i'm chinese i'd probably request fried rice that's <laughs> just my childhood favorite and still continues today to be like my all-time favorite yeah, yeah it's funny that these childhood yeah. favorites I, I um my father used to own a restaurant and we had a Chinese cook, and he used to make the um, the buffet, the salad buffet. And one of those oh, nice. dishes was a uh, fried rice. And I used to remember getting there <laughs> and on a weekend, going and help my dad clean the the restaurant. And I'd um, I'd be privileged to to get the first bowl of fresh cooked fried rice from Johnny out the back in the uh, in the cook room. Uh, <laughs> so good awesome. memories. Yeah. Awesome. Um, cool. What what is your favorite activity or, or leisure activity? Uh, yeah. So go, going back to riding bikes. Yeah. Yeah. It's do it for exercise, do it for commuting. Um, yeah. Some of my, like pretty much my closest friends are my cycling friends. And would you have a book, one book that you'd pass down to future generations? So there's a startup book written by one of our investors that I love. I think it's, it's not only a manual for startups, it's a manual for life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called the hard things about hard things written by Ben Horowitz. Ben Horowitz. Yep. Cool. I'll stick the link in the show notes. You got a book coming out or you have a book out as well? Uh, no, no, I, I, I was, you know, I, I hope something. I hope before it all ends for me, I, I, I am able to write a book, but yeah, no books. 
Yeah, cool. Do you have a quote or a message that you would text or tweet to the entire population of the world? Oh, boy, I'm bad with quotes. But I, I, I really hope that people believe in investing in themselves, that you're never too old to learn, that life is long, and continuous self-improvement should be something we should all, like, budget time for that, you know, the gains that you make today will benefit you tomorrow. Yeah. And there are many tomorrows left. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I, I know I see it in a lot of my friends, um, uh, folks that are older, folks that are younger, where I, it just feels like the learning has stopped. Hmm. And that's, that's just, I don't, yeah, just it, it um, I don't know, it's just like uh, they, they settle into complacency and, um, you know, maybe, maybe that's okay. I mean, maybe they're content yeah. in where they are, but I also think it's risky. You know, the world is changing. The jobs of today will not be the jobs of tomorrow. So, you know, unless, uh, you know, th- th- those who stay with technology, continue to invest themselves. Like we will be best positioned to adapt to the new way of work. Mm. And that'll be good for us. That'll be good for the people that, that depend on us. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, that maybe that that's, that's a really crappy quote. Sorry. sorry but <laughs> no, well, that's a concept the, I can leave you with. Things, they have a good advice as well. Do you think we all have a, a purpose or a hidden why? I do. Yeah. I do. I think, I think we all want to do something for ourselves and maybe even more powerful. We want to make people who love us and have invested in us. We want to make them proud too. Yeah. Um, and we want, uh, like, you know, there's, there's, there's good things. There's, there's, there's good in all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the people who invested in us wanted it would, would want to see their investment get paid off in a certain way. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, like, you know, I think about the people who invested in me yeah. and, uh, you know, like, you know, my parents, you know, for sure, mm-hmm. but like other people too, yeah. um, you know, it would mean a lot to me to, uh, you know, to see them be happy with, um, you know, their hard work and their investment, yeah. um, in, in my life. It's pretty, um, yeah, pretty important sort of bit of advice there that you've given. What, what do you believe is the underlying motivation behind everything you do in your day-to-day life? Yeah, I think that comes down to that, you know, the, you know, the mission and the life goal of, of you know, I just, you know, I believe I was, I was like, you know, what really drives me is helping people, as many people as I possibly can. And, you know, for, uh, you know, for some people that's, you know, that happens daily one by one through human interaction. Um, like I can think of some of a lot of my classmates who are doctors who see patients all day Yeah, and that's amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, where, where I see where I could add the most benefit, um, to humanity is in a more scalable, but less direct way. Hmm. Hmm. Um, but also in a more binary way, like it might only happen a few times in my life Yeah. yeah. versus, you know, for some of my friends, it happens a dozen times a day, Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. you know, for me, but like, but when it hits, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like when it happens, it's, it's literally thousands and thousands of people that can benefit. Yeah. So, and that, that feeling um, but, <laughs> it all happens at once for you, not 12 times yeah, a day. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, you know, I think, um, you know, anybody involved in, in this general theme, like it's a wonderful pursuit hmm. and it doesn't have to be like my end of the spectrum. It could be the opposite of the, end of the spectrum or somewhere in between, but, uh, boy, it is a fulfilling life pursuit. Yeah. I love it. I love it all. And, um, how can best, how can people best reach you? Yeah. The, you can stay in touch with the company through our website. Yeah. Um, it's haloneuro.com. 
and the typical social media channels that uh, are easily searchable. Yeah. Uh, just search for Halo Neuroscience and you'll find us. Um, and we have a great email newsletter that comes out periodically. It's um, definitely not at a frequency that would annoy people. Um, and uh, it's easy to sign up for that on our website. Yeah, cool. That's great. I'll um, stick the link in the show notes, guys. Check it out again at thehiddenwire.com. Daniel, it's been a fantastic conversation, a lot of insights and, and quite exciting um, for me personally, and I'm sure the audience uh, will enjoy it as well. So thank you for coming on and sharing. Oh, thank you, Lee, for the time. I really enjoyed this conversation. It was great. All right, well, we'll uh, catch up again. And guys listening out there, until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels, using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcasts. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is Lee Manutzi until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon